Today on Sagittarian Matters, Thanksgiving talk and advice questions with my friend Rocco Cayatis. Stay tuned. Rocco Kayatis is the co-founder of Original Plumbing Magazine. He used to rap under the name Catastrophe. He used to work at BuzzFeed, and now he's auditioning as my amazing race partner. Please enjoy our advice for this Thanksgiving. Rocco Kayatis, welcome back to Sagittarian Matters. Thank you. It's an honor and a privilege to be here. You are here today on the eve of Thanksgiving to give some holiday advice. Yeah. Uh, Rocco, how do you make Thanksgiving as an adult tolerable and or enjoyable? Mm. Um, well, it depends on, on how I'm feeling. I'm not really a, a big holiday person. I think there was a lot of uh, chaos and and turmoil in my house growing up a lot of stress around holidays being perfect and they were far from it so as an adult I've opted out um from the stress and then also from the holiday this holiday I'm just camping with friends that I feel grateful for uh spent the eve with another friend that I feel grateful for expressed my gratitude for our friendship because it feels important to think about the the spirit of the holiday more than the actual holiday because holidays are in america in particular are steeped in colonialism um i was gonna say you wanted the spirit of the pilgrims yeah native americans sitting around together yeah exactly with with smallpox blankets (laughs) breaking a cob of corn (laughs) and cutting a turkey's head off fuck so yeah so i don't really celebrate the holiday as much as i celebrate the spirit with my chosen family and i always give myself the gift of not spending it with my uh natal family i told someone that i was like yeah i love myself too much to spend holidays with my family of origin yeah i just wouldn't do that to myself no it's the best gift you can give yourself is if you have a family that is not um, capable of, of meeting you at the emotional and spiritual level that you're at, don't spend the holidays with them. That's a gift to yourself. It's the gift that keeps on giving. Every year I get excited for the holidays. My family has nothing to do with it. <laughs> when I was a kid, I would get a terrible stomach ache every year around my birthday mm. or Christmas. Uh, and Thanksgiving, I hated very much. But I want to say another thing. We're both vegan, mm-hmm. you and I. Yeah. And... I, at a certain point, also realized, I was like, I would like to start having separatist vegan Thanksgivings because I grew up with a stepdad always being like, what's that, a tofu turkey? Ew! (laughs) 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 Everything I put in my mouth, having people around me being like, does that taste good? (laughs) (laughs) And so as an adult, I'm like, I don't wish to have that experience ever again. And so for a long time... I had something I called vegan lesbian Thanksgiving where I would just have a vegan Thanksgiving with queer people mm. and that would I just refused to go to a meaty Thanksgiving and I would say like a very like polite like I'm sorry I can't go to that if people mm. invited me to those. Um now I go to more secular mixed Thanksgiving sometimes mm-hmm. but um I still anytime I can avoid like I got invited to my grandmother's house for Thanksgiving this year where mm. everyone eats meat and I was like I don't want to bring my like TV dinner mm-hmm. and have everyone be like, what's that? So I'm just going to see them the next day. 
Oh, nice. Yeah, I'm just going to go drive up and have a pleasant time with them and then like eat my tofurkey in peace. So that's an option, right? Yeah. Skipping the actual day but having a, an alternate um, celebration with them. Mm-hmm. That's nice. I like it because like, I'm like, oh, I want to see you. Yeah. Great. I think I realized, you know, my dad doesn't give a shit about holidays. Um, my, he's like a stoned raccoon who's like Charlie's uncle, just bedridden and like depressed. And, From Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Exactly. Um, so uh, he doesn't care about holidays. My mom cares about holidays as if she's, you know, trapped in a three-year-old bubble where she's just like, Mama's going to decorate the tree. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> this like tragic way that has nothing to do with me. But I realized, I, I think about like, a little more than a decade ago, yeah, I got uh, sober in 2006 initially. Congratulations. Ten days before Christmas, so it was sandwiched right between all the holidays. And um, everyone was extra special in my uh, my family that year. And that was the last year that I uh, went to holiday celebrations because I realized no matter what I do, whether or not I show up, my mom is always going to have dashed expectations. She's always going to be... Um, tragically mourning the loss of a uh, like a Rockefeller Christmas she never had and it has nothing to do with me and once I realized that I couldn't help her because there were some years that I was like just give her the gift of Christmas because that's all she wanted was this like (laughs) childlike sense of like what it means to have Christmas so one year I went and I bought her they don't buy trees because my dad doesn't he's like really bah humbug about it Um, so one year I bought her a tree and I decorated it for her and Christmas was still shit for her so once I released myself from the burden of creating an experience for her that she will never have because emotionally she is incapable of having that experience. I, I stopped going to all holidays and it's been great for me. Yeah. Well, that ties into our first advice question. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody wrote in and they said, dear Nicole and Rocco, this year is one of the first years I will not be seeing my family of origin for the holidays. They are laying the guilt on thick. How do I deal with my family's guilt trips and feeling bad for not being there this holiday season? Signed, guilted in Florida. (laughs) Guilted in Gainesville, sorry. Um, So I think, you know, one of my favorite sayings recently, because I love talking about boundaries, is saying, you know, like, my boundaries are not your boundaries. Because sometimes you make a boundary and people are unhappy about it, and you're like, okay, well, it actually isn't yours, it's mine. Mm -hmm. And you can do it or not do it. And if you don't do it, then that's valuable information about you that I need to know. And the same thing with your family. Their guilt is not your guilt. So they're trying to, like, pass this thing to you, this, like, black blob of coal that's their feelings about it. And you're like, okay. And you can just put your hands up and let that drop on the floor. And just, like, have kind of, like, a very kind, broken record thing of just being like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm going to miss you, too. Happy Thanksgiving. Oh, I'm having a great Thanksgiving out here. Hope you have a good one. Like, it doesn't have to be, you know cold or it also has to be taking it on or bargaining or anything it just also the kind of thing like when you make a boundary when you say no and then you explain yourself you're weakening your boundary oh cool so you know never thought about it like that like if you're like i can't because blah 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 blah, Mm -hmm. it just makes it weaker and weaker and weaker the more you talk Mm -hmm. so if you just say no to something and then you just stand in that that's pretty pretty powerful Mm mm-hmm no is a complete sentence. Yeah. Once again, I love thinking about, about um, uh, people crossing your boundaries at, uh, or what you said. I love thinking about guilt as a black blob. I'm going to, I'm going to start thinking about it in those terms because that is what it feels like. It just feels like this nasty 
like puddle of feelings that I don't want that someone else is passing to me. Yeah. And it's not, you know, you have guilt if you feel you've actually done something wrong Mm -hmm. that you want to repent for or something Mm -hmm. or that you wish you hadn't done. But actually like if this person's making a choice towards their own happiness, Mm -hmm. other people being unhappy about it isn't really their business necessarily Mm, because they're not here to fix someone else's feelings. Yeah. And that becomes so tricky with your family of origin because uh, guilt doesn't feel, at least for me, guilt doesn't feel the same with them um, because I think in part they hi- they hardwired what I, um, they hardwired my, they like factory installed my guilt. Mm-hmm. So with them, I feel like I'm always in a deficit. Sort of mm-hmm. like what I was saying about my mom. Like I feel, I feel the deficit or I feel deficient no matter what I do, whether or not I seek to exceed her expectations or I meet or or I try to meet them no matter what I do I'm always deficient because it's not about me it has nothing to do with me it's just what you just said it started before you even showed up and it'll be here even when you're gone yeah so to release yourself from it that's like some master class shit because then that also frees up this space to have a different relationship to the feeling of guilt as it relates to less severe relationships, right? Because if you're, if, you know, if my mom was feeding me in utero, she's feeding me all this unrequited bullshit that turns into guilt for me, then I'm receiving this forever in our relationship and our dynamic is that I always feel guilty that I'm never going to meet her expectations because they have nothing to do with me, but, but it's hardwired in the fabric of how I relate to her. Um, Also, you're only responsible for 50% of the relationship. Which, again, with family is, like, such a hard thing. It's, like, one thing to know it, but to be able to integrate it in how you feel in relationship to them. Because I can know this. I can have boundaries in my adult life. I do have boundaries with my friendships. Um, I do. I take responsibility for how I behave. Um, if some, if I hurt someone's feelings and they let me know, then, then I try my best to really understand and then um, cop to it and own it and do better in the future. But with the, with family shit, it's like, I can't, it's hard to extract the reality, right? Because you're in this weird bubble with them. Well, it's you, practice. Yeah. But again, it's like masterclass shit. It's just like doing it the first time you'll be like, ah, I'm not home for Thanksgiving. <laughs> ah, And then it gets easier and easier and easier with practice. Like yeah. any skill, any muscle, it just, the first year I didn't go home for Christmas, I was racked with guilt. Mm. I was like, I'm breaking my mother's heart. We made a pact. But then I actually was like, I'm having a really good day. Mm-hmm. Like I'm doing all the things I want to do. I'm in a place that's really fun. I'm with someone I think is really hot. This is great. Yeah. This is so much better. Yeah. And the other thing too is like, as you become an adult and you separate from your family of origin and you create your own family, whatever that looks like, um, you get to create your own new traditions that are rooted in what you desire your life to look like and not just living this tail end version of what your parents have imposed on you for most of your life or your siblings or whoever in your family that feels that you, the need for you to continue on, um, in this path that you no longer feel like you need to participate in. If I can throw a little bit of Dr. Laura in there, you know, a lot of people like once you get married, that's your new priority family. Mm. And so other people can be like, when about us? And you're like, sorry, you must understand. This is my number one priority family. Mm. But I feel like, you know, as a person who's not betrothed, uh, my friends are my number one family. And Mm -hmm. so I do prioritize them and our time together over 
you know, like a crazy person from my past Mm -hmm. who was not so awesome to me during my childhood. Who's then like, (laughs) what about me? And I'm like, I don't know. What about you? You're an adult. Come over. Yeah. Sometimes I trip out about that too, is like the more I get into my adulthood, which at this point I'm like deep into adulthood. I'm almost 40, but (laughs) it's just, it's just registering that I'm no longer a child. But, um, but the more, uh, the more adult I become or feel, uh, the more I realized that my parents had the same resources that I had yeah, and that they allowed their lives to turn out the way they are and that that's not my fault. Mm-hmm. I'm finally like that cloud is just parting for me recently. So it's... Oh man. <laughs> that's heavy. It is, right? Where it's like... You think like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm going to keep the family together if you're a kid and your family's shitty and there's tons of conflict and you're uh, like a little therapist, which I was. I was like, it's on my shoulders keeping the family together. (laughs) But um, you can't keep a family together and you can't be responsible for anyone else's happiness. And ultimately that's what it comes down to is like, that sucks that your family's bummed, but it's none of your business. Oh, and just as you can't solve their feelings, they can't solve yours. Yeah. And so maybe you found a good solution for yourself. And so yeah. you have to stand in that. Um, what's our next question? I want to say for that yeah. last one, like, um, you know, kudos to this person because it takes, it takes like true um, guts or chutzpah or whatever you want to put it to break that cycle of uh, needing to meet your family's expectations. Um, I think that it's a, a big step when when a person finally decides to allow themselves the freedom of choice within their family of origin. I also feel like when you have an honest relationship with yourself about what makes you happy, then you can carry that forward to your family Mm. and see them when you honestly want to see them, Mm -hmm. then you're not bringing resentment into your time together. And so the time you have together is more quality. If you're like, oh my God, I'm not here out of stress or obligation (laughs) or guilt. I'm here because I actually want to see you. Yeah. Hi, how's it going? Yeah. You know, that's like Absolutely. so much better than being like, I'm a, I'm a captive. I'm hostage. I just actually brought myself here, but I'm a hostage. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Rocco, what's our next advice question? Um, well, the next question is from someone who is currently on a, a road trip for their own Thanksgiving getaway. And uh, they said, what do you do if your dog has diarrhea on your lap during a long holiday drive? Where do you put the clothes? Help. Okay. I, my hope is that there's a hotel at the end of your drive or you are stopping at a rest stop. In which case, you need to find an extra trash bag that is probably... Sometimes they're at the bottom of the trash can mm. in a lot of rest stop kind of places. Like the people changing the trash would do themselves the favor or even at a subway of leaving a trash bag in the bottom. So every time they go to do the trash, they don't have to carry it with them. You're going to put all your clothes in the trash bag. You're going to pick up some newspapers, maybe some free weeklies, put those on your lap, wipe the dog's butt, and then, you know, let, let the dog do its thing. Try to feed it some rice or even some pumpkin if you have the opportunity. It is Thanksgiving, after all, to just kind of bind their system a little bit. Your poor nervous dog. Let them squeeze out what they need to squeeze out. Yeah, newspaper all over the car. Your stuff is going in a garbage bag in the back until you get to where you're going, and you can really wash it out. That's my, that's my tip from someone who has, you know, once my dog's anal glands express themselves on my date slap, onto my date slap as we were driving up to like a romantic getaway, she was not psyched. How long were you guys together before that happened? 
A few months. Okay. She wasn't that psyched. She was like not a dog person, but was like, but this dog's nice. Uh huh. And then my dog got so excited as we and pulled up. Anal gland expression smells like nothing. Like if you've never smelled the expression from anal glands, <laughs> you've <yourself>. never lived. <laughs> Do you have any advice for this person? Um, you know, I've never been in that experience. I've never had that experience. I don't I get was, mad at the dog. It's not the dog's fault. Yeah. No. There's. That's not a controllable thing if if a person or an animal shits itself in an inappropriate place just show it compassion yeah it's, it's hard for the, the dog doesn't want to do that the dog's been trained mm-hmm. that the best thing it can do is wait till it goes outside so then when it has so little control it's like sorry mom and dad <laughs> i'm so sorry you know I wonder if it made meaningful eye contact while it was happening probably tried <laughs> probably tried but yeah don't never get mad at an animal for doing an animal thing they can't help it yeah Thank you this week to Shoshana Ruth Wechter, Mary Pinson, and Beth Rabin. Thank you. Happy Thanksgiving. Hi, Nicole. Hi, Rocco. Here is my sex question. So, I am used to using a vibrator that plugs into the wall, we all know. But the person I'm with feels threatened by the vibrator because it's the only way that I can get off. So I end up either just not getting off or faking it. What do I do? The burden of responsibility is not on you. Like that's, you could have a nurturing way of approaching it would be like, let's explore like how I can do this for you. But to be threatened by machinery is so um, complicated and fucked up. Because then it's like double shaming, right? So it's like they're feeling all this weird shame yeah. and guilt, and then they're putting it on you and making them resp- making you responsible for their guilt and shame, which probably in turn elicits some kind of like shameful response for you, and then you feel like there's something wrong with you, and then there is something wrong with your relationship. And sex is about being like fun and open and vulnerable, and that just shuts the entire thing down. Yeah, I um, I've been in things before where someone has tried to put their feelings of um, inferiority around a a robot that I liked to make love to. (laughs) Or, you know, like people, (laughs) people putting their, their weird vibes, vibes onto my vibes. And it's a boner killer for me. I'm just like, I'm like, roll with it, man. Yeah. Also like like, sex is like not about your ego, right? No, it's like, why why are we here? Yeah. It's about having fun, like exploring each other. Exploring every nook, every cranny. But Especially just, crannies. I'm just like, well, cr- I'm like, it's different than me masturbating for a million reasons. Yeah. Let's just, how about you just trust that to me, this is sex and I am enjoying it. Totally. End of story. And if the person can't deal with it, I mean, I don't know what to say because this might be someone you love very much, but I'm like, yeah, kick him to the curb. I mean, one cool thing about being queer is that, um, that we get to imagine our sex life in a completely different way than a heteronormative couple. So having sex, like bringing other things into your sex life aside from like, well, let's say we have to use our imaginations quite a bit more and if um, we're lucky and like find other tools, right. <laughs> to be a part of our sex life. Well, that's what, that's what separates us from many animals in the animal kingdom is we use tools. Yeah. Chimps also use tools. 
But yeah, I mean, look, humans use tools. You wouldn't be like, look at that house. You know what? I thought he made the house, but it turns out he used a hammer to put the nails in. Like, that just wouldn't be something you would say. So you can't be like, they had sex, but you know what? They use something besides their natal bodies. Yeah. You're just like, uh, okay. And then there's the other piece of it, too, is this goal-oriented type of sex where it's like just doing it to get each other off. And and if you don't get the other person off, then you didn't do a good job. Sex isn't about doing a good job. It's about being a, like, what was, Dan Savage has the three Gs, good, Good giving, giving and game. game, right. Mm -hmm. So are you, like, good at what you want to do and not goal-oriented sex, right? Like, but is it, is everyone having a good time? Um, are you up for exploring the possibility of doing things that you maybe hadn't thought about doing, but your partner enjoys? And, um, do you give it to them? Don't be upset by this word, but somebody, you know, is that don't yuck my yum. But uh, I feel like... The- <laughs> oh, you knew you shouldn't have said it before you said it. <laughs> These are things- I have to go. Thank you for my time here. These are things I've carried with me from Portland. Your kink is not my kink, but I honor your kink. Oh, and, God, why are you saying these things? <laughs> these, I'm, I'm passing abuse on to you. Did that you people... say some other version of that that's not so disgusting? It's like the barf emoji, <laughs> the new updated one. So it's like the puke is actually coming from the gaping black hole. Here, just like, bleh, all over it. Don't harsh my mellow. Okay. So I'm like, this vibrator is my mellow. Don't harsh. Don't, sure, don't sure. bring your harsh parade over here, man. Like, I'm having a good time with you chill yeah that's all um yeah don't shame people about the ways they have to get but somebody needs to go like <laughs> like rub against the bed knob <laughs> or broomsticks <laughs> that's <laughs> wait bed knobs and broomsticks <laughs> way to go I think we're done with this question <laughs> that's their prerogative if and it's none of my business if they need to vigorously hump a pillow at the end of it leave them be if it makes you uncomfortable avert your eyes <laughs> but, God, but for god's sake be supportive <laughs> close your eyes and cheer them on <laughs> This listener says, Dear Nicole and Rocco, what do you do if you're in a long-term relationship and your sex life has died and you want to stay monogamous, but you want to be a sexual person and hopefully get out of your rut? Essentially, how do you deal with lesbian bed death? Thanks. Oh man, that's a challenging one. I think the longer a relationship is, the more chance there is for uh, sex to dwindle. Sex is really new and shiny in the beginning of a relationship when a person is new and shiny, but when you live together and the stress of life kind of weighs in, you have to carve out dedicated time to actually have a sexual relationship. And that's challenging because then it's like uh, taking the sexiness out of sex by carving out or scheduling time to have sex. There's nothing unsexy about a schedule. You know I love a plan. God bless that. But it's really true. In a long-term relationship, you kind of have to schedule sex, especially if you fall into a rut. And sometimes it feels like forced or unfamiliar or too familiar, but you just have to get into it. Like, just do it, even if it's quick. You know what I mean? The more you get out of practice, you really do get out of practice. Yeah, then you're just like, oh, it's fine. Let's just watch TV. So much easier, you know? Let's just cuddle. And then you become, like, uh, roommates that cuddle. Or, like, roommates that don't even cuddle. Just roommates that nag each other for other shit. Life gets in the way of having a sexual relationship in a long-term situation, I think. What if you're in a serious rut? 
again, it's about that schedule and breaking through it. So you might even put it in the books and then, and then one of the people in the relationship decides like, Oh, I don't really want to do it. And then the other one's like, good, me neither. But you have to just force yourselves, force yourselves to have sex. And then you remember as soon, I swear, if you have the sex, you'll both remember that you love having sex with each other. And then it will inspire you to have sex again. And then you can continue to just kind of like keep on schedule. And so just because you guys are sexy roommate, like non-sexy roommates who are farting in front of each other, doesn't mean you need to find the sex outside of the relationship. Yeah. To have sex. Uh, every facet of a relationship takes work. Communication, having a home together, um, uh, building anything, all of that, it takes constant upkeep. So that includes sex. And sometimes we, you know, when we're single and we're like really like maintaining ourselves in a certain way of like whatever that means to you, like trimming your bush or whatever, like whatever you do, whatever people feel like is like going to make them more attractive to mm -hmm. attracting a mate. You have to do elements of that in your relationship. Obviously you find someone, you lock it in and then you guys are together for a decade and you're like, I got this on lock. It doesn't matter. But <clears throat> you still have to work at nurturing a sexual relationship with that person more so, right? Yeah. Do you know that I told a story about cutting off a piece of my inner labia while trimming last week on the podcast <laughs> that's how much I cared <clears throat> for maintenance what have you done when you're in a rut Nicole uh scheduling trying to make an effort to go on dates with each other mm -hmm. have date night um I, I really try I don't like to go to the bathroom with the door open mm. in a long-term relationship mm -hmm. I don't really love free free farting Mm -hmm. in front of other people. I try to keep the magic alive as long as possible. And with that person you're dating, at the very beginning, kind of make a list about what is what is the magic to each of you. Mm -hmm. And then if you can, try to keep the magic up. Smart. There's just things like peeing or pooping with the door open that are magic killers. Flossing. Flossing in front of each other. Yeah, whatever your thing is that you're just like, this is, this is, this to me shows that you are no longer invested in the magic mm -hmm. of, mm -hmm. you know, of maintaining that level of like intrigue and attraction. Yeah. But right? I also think being open to growing and changing with your partner's sexual needs. And if you need to like ramp it up or they want to try something new, give it a shot. But I don't yeah. think that a third party is always the answer. And I think sometimes people get like, you know, they're like, well, this is boring, but how about this? And you're like, that's not going to be any better. It's a lazy escape hatch. If, if all other facets of your relationship are working, if you have great communication, you're supporting and loving and nurturing one another, and you're really taking care of each other and you're taking care of yourselves in that relationship, you're taking care of yourself in that relationship, then that's a good relationship, but you just need to ramp up the sex part. So that requires like, even I, I find that like sometimes in a long-term relationship, I take my my person for granted and I also am taken for granted in the way of, of like just a simple thing of like making out that the longer the relationship is the less makeouts happen making out was like when you first meet a person you make out for hours you can make out you're like sucking that person's soul out of their mouth for like a good couple of hours and that just doesn't happen 10 years down unless you're very pointedly making an effort to have that type of connection with the person yeah and also that's part of non-goal oriented sex mm -hmm. Like doing things like making out that aren't necessarily because you're like, oh, I'm going to get off. But you're just like, <laughs> I want to do this because I want to connect with you. Yeah. And sex also like as life bears down on a long-term relationship, sometimes sex can just be something that feels like it's on the to-do list, which is why some people recoil from the idea of like putting it on 
the schedule, but it is like having a date night. Like turning the TV off and eating dinner at a table across from each other is completely different than eating dinner in front of the TV together and then just continuing to watch TV until you go to bed repeat. Yeah. And that can happen in a long-term relationship because you're tired. I think you've been in longer relationships than I have. Ten years is the longest one. Nine and a half years. That's a long time. The one I'm in right now is like, I think we're at six and some change. Mm-hmm. And we've had, we've had a rut. I mean, life happens, right? I had a death in, in my, of a close friend and then I didn't want to be in a body, you know? Yeah. And then I had to struggle back to what that <laughs> meant to be a person having joy and pleasure in a body. Because if I were single, I probably just wouldn't have dated at that point in my life. But being in a... a committed monogamous relationship then it's like the only kind of sex I really desired having was like acting out and harmful and I can't do that in a monogamous relationship so what do what do you do in, when you're in that situation you have to make a concerted effort to to really connect yeah all right <laughs> <laughs> don't yuck my yum I'm not, you get your bed knob you get your broomstick whatever it does it for you you put it just rubbing it all together <laughs> Schedule it for a Tuesday night. Make meaningful eye contact. And then close your eyes and encourage the other. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Sagittarian Matters is produced by Chris Sutton with assistance by Ponyo Georges. Our theme music is composed by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs of the band Bouquet. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next time. Sagittarian Matters. Not to be a Seinfeld, but have you ever noticed that I never try to sell you Blue Apron on the podcast? Or that we do not disparage and bemoan trips to the post office in favor of Stamps.com? Well, it is because we have no advertisers. Zero. Producer Chris... Producer Ponyo and myself do this out of the goodness of our hearts, because we like it. If you would like to tip producer Chris Sutton, who dedicates hours to this series every week, please, 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 please send your tip of $5, $10, who knows how much, that's your business, via PayPal, to hornetleg at gmail.com. That is hornet, like the insect, leg, like one of his appendages, at gmail.com. If you do this, we will read your name on the podcast. Isn't that exciting? We may have advertisers someday, and we'll rant and rave about free sex toys and mattresses and Blue Apron and whatever. But in the meantime, thank you. We appreciate your support, and I look forward to saying your name on the podcast. Producer Ponyo looks forward to it, too. That was Ponyo's voice. Don't be scared. Bye.